0: Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 830 on Friday, February 1st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, hear why one Mississippi prison is on lockdown and why the corrections commissioner says it's not because of inmate behavior. Then a pay raise for teachers, active shooter training and more coming out of the House Education Committee this week. Also, a mother faces the risks and open heart surgery to have another child. We'll hear her story and get some healthy snacking tips just in time for this weekend's Super Bowl. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. South Mississippi Correctional Institution in Leaksville remains on lockdown. Visitation and other privileges have been canceled indefinitely. That has been the status of the facility for a week. But according to state corrections officials, it's not the behavior of the inmates that has led to the lockdown. It's a shortage of staff. Corrections Commissioner Policia Hall talks about the issue with MPB's Desiree Frazier.
1: The Department of Corrections is significantly, significantly understaffed right now. And so we we addressed the issue at the South Mississippi Correctional Institute to try to address that, knowing that you know we don't have room uh, necessarily to move those inmates right now, but nor do we have the appropriate level of staff to supervise them. So we had to put the facility on lockdown as a safety and security measure for our staff, for the individuals housed there, and also for the public from a public safety standpoint. How does a lockdown help with safety? Can you explain? Well, it um, it limits movement. Um, and so a lot of times we have programs and services that, that need to be delivered, but again, we don't have the appropriate level of security staff to be able to deliver that. So the lockdown does affect that. It also affects some of the privileges that the guys might have, such as visitation, that we don't have an appropriate level of staff to supervise and manage visitation. We don't want anyone coming into our institutions to be harmed, again, nor do we want our staff harmed. Are you asking for salary increases? We are asking for salary increases this year. The current salary for an incoming correctional officer is 24900 the lowest in the United States. And so we're asking for our salaries to be realigned to basically what our southern region states are paying. Um, we're looking at Alabama specifically, looking at about 28000 to $31,000 on an entry-level salary to be able to recruit and retain security-level staff.
2: Are you getting a feeling that that could happen from legislators?
1: You know, I'm I'm hopeful. Um, Always, as as we have meetings and talk about what the priorities and concerns of our facilities are, I am hopeful. Um, We have very good support on both the House and Senate side. So knowing that this is a public safety concern, um, ultimately, I do believe we're going to get some support from the legislature.
2: And can you talk a little bit about the uniforms? You want to change the... The prison uniforms?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, again, Mississippi being one of the last um, to change its uniforms and, and what they look like and what we're calling, uh, you know, the people that are in our custody, that we still wear stripes and we still use, you know, MDOC convict on the back of our uniforms. Nowhere else in the country are we doing that. And so, Mississippi, you know, in 2019, we have to, you know, look at it differently about how we're housing and dressing the people in our system as a means of reentry and rehabilitation, knowing that it's most important that in order to, to change and have a real effect, we got to change the whole person. And that begins in what they look like and what they feel like. What would you change to? Uh, we're looking at possibly, you know, um, denim bottoms, uh, solid color tops um, that are consistent with the custody level of the inmate. Scrub type uniforms uh, where they're still identified knowing they're in. That's what I was going to say because yeah. scrubs are pretty common. Yeah, sure. But there will still be markings on the uniforms to identify them um, as an MDOC resident so that you would still be able to identify them, whether you see them in the public or whether you see them in one of my facilities. But it's something that we, we should do going forward.
2: And lastly, there's been an issue about transparency and you wanting to um, change some regulations or something to give you more flexibility, I
1: assume. Am I correct? well, the reason why we're asking for um, some of the parameters of the Public Records Act to be changed, not for just not wanting to respond to a request, but simply so that the safety and security of our facilities are not compromised in any regard and I said this in a committee meeting that when you ask for one of my policies, it might not be, mean anything, but when you ask for the entire book of my policies, some that are restrictive, some that um, definitely address security protocols, then it does become a problem and it compromises my staff and it compromises the safely running of my institutions. So that's the reason why we're making that request. We know the public records law exists for a reason and we're going to follow it.
2: Commissioner, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank Corrections
0: you. Commissioner Felicia Hall, a uh, Felicia Hall, excuse me. Cliff Johnson is with the MacArthur Justice Center at the University of Mississippi School of Law. Johnson says legislators need to take a close look at prison funding in the state, as he tells MPB's Jasmine Ellis.
3: The fact that prisoners are paying the price for the decision made at the highest levels of government in Mississippi not to adequately fund our correction system is troubling. While people may not approve obviously of what some of these people are convicted of doing, the fact remains that under the United States Constitution, we have a duty to these people to take care of them, to keep them safe, to provide them with certain basic necessities. People get excited about the notion of locking people up, but that's expensive and you know, if you're going to run a correction system that engages in mass incarceration to the extent that Mississippi does, then you have to pay for it.
4: You talked a little bit about what the conditions are like for the inmates and the staff. Um, can you go a little bit more into detail about that? You know, what does this lockdown do to them?
3: I mean, obviously inmates aren't free to move about the facility. And my experience in dealing with inmates during periods of lockdown is you know, they are very well aware of the fact that this is a function of politics. This is a function of lack of funding. It's not a result of anything they've done. Commissioner Hall is not taking the position that this is a result of inmate misconduct or any specific act. It's a function of legislative decisions not to fund these positions adequately. It's a a function of economic realities of the inability to hire security guards when you pay them such meager wages, so those people who are are paying the penalty for these these things that they can't control, they get frustrated and oftentimes they lash out, oftentimes they act out in protest and out of frustration so so what this means for correctional officers is that that they are dealing with a tense and dangerous situation um, when they are uh, dealing with inmates who have been denied you know, basic privileges to which they've become accustomed. You know, these aren't, these aren't things that are in any way um, extravagant, but the, the, the ability to get out of your cell for an hour to get some exercise, the ability to get to interact with other people in a common area is a precious thing to these people who spend year after year after year locked up in a cage. So so you can imagine how um, how volatile that combination of factors is, and the longer it drags on, the more dangerous it becomes.
4: Cliff Johnson, thank you so much for your time.
3: Thank you.
0: In other news, Mississippi legislators are making their opening bid on an increase in teacher pay. The House Education Committee yesterday passed House Bill 1349. It proposes $500 increase a $500 increases in teacher salaries for each of the next two years. That's a total of $1,000. The bill is sponsored by Republican Representative Charles Busby of Pascagua. It would also boost the long frozen salaries of teachers assistants. The bill also includes proposals intended to alleviate a shortage of Mississippi teachers. One part of that plan would allow retired teachers to return to work at a lower salary while still drawing state pensions. Active shooter drills are a part of another House bill aimed at keeping children safe at school. MPB's Desiree Frazier reports.
2: Chair of the House Education Committee says it's a fact of life. Children must be prepared in the event of a shooting on school grounds. Republican Richard Bennett of Long Beach says House Bill 1283 will require all schools have a drill during the first 60 days of classes.
4: We're requiring drills and we're requiring schools to have a a policy and to have have a plan if there's an active shooter there. And yes, as sad as it is, young kids need to know what to do.
2: The bill called the Mississippi School Safety Act of 2019. It's based on recommendations from the governor's school safety task force. The requirements include training to reduce stress and anxiety among students and mental health screenings. Administrators and staff will be trained in suicide prevention and every school would have a resource officer. House Democrat Gregory Holloway of Hazelhurst says training is needed... But he's concerned disadvantaged school districts may not be able to afford any added expenses. Training these uh, officers, um, it could be a number of things that could come up in school districts that they haven't looked at at this particular point that may create some funding issues. The bill passed the House Education Committee. Holloway says it's still a work in progress and there may be an appropriations bill to address his concern. The measure also includes creating an app where people can report threats anonymously. They'll be investigated by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Desiree Frazier, MPB News.
0: For more on these and other measures working their way through the Mississippi legislature, be sure to catch At Issue tonight at 730 on MPB-TV and streaming at mpbonline.org. Coming up, a mother faces the risks and open-heart surgery to have another child. We'll hear her story. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: The 2019 Mississippi Legislature is now in session and at issue on MPB Think Radio is bringing you even more coverage about the questions being discussed at the Capitol. Hosted by legislative reporter Desiree Frazier with analysis from Brandon Jones and Austin Barber, this call-in program will tackle the week's hot topics and the legislative business of the 2019 session. So tune in Monday mornings at 9 a.m. for at issue, heard only on MPB Think Radio.
0: Edition on MPB Think Radio, I'm Karen Brown. Mississippians are joining the rest of the nation today wearing red to raise awareness about cardiovascular disease in women. One in three women die each year from the disease, making it the number one killer of women. Ashton Davison of Madison is a mother, teacher, and a person living with Marfan syndrome. It's a genetic disorder that, among other things, affects the aortic valve in the heart. Davison talks with MPB's Ezra Wall about how she learned of her condition.
5: I, you know, I didn't really know a lot of what was going on at the time. Um, my dad had emergency heart surgery, and, you know, immediately that sparked some um, concerns for my brother and I. And so we were tested. I was five and he was 10. And so um, we went and got tested and found out that we had a genetic heart disorder um, called Marfan's and so that affects the aorta of the heart.
6: People uh, may not have heard of Marfan syndrome before. What, what are some other common characteristics of it that they might recognize?
5: Um, it's a connective tissue disorder which affects I feel like everyone a little bit differently. Um, some of the characteristics are a tall body build, um, long fingers, long toes. Um, it can affect the the eyes, um, dislocated lenses.
6: So you were concerned about this really for, for for most of the part of your life that you remember anyway. Right. This has been a major concern right. for you. Right, exactly. It, especially um, as, as you got older and decided that you wanted to become a mother and have yes. a family. Is that something yes. that you always wanted?
5: I always wanted to be a mom, um, and I knew growing up that – that was that was always going to be you know in the back of my head of you know, I wanted a family, but how what did that look like? Um, and I knew that being pregnant was going to put some risk on my heart and um, I got you know I got pregnant with my son, and during that process, you know I was monitored constantly um, by cardiologists and just you know making sure that everything, was doing what it's supposed to, and my aorta did grow a little during that pregnancy. So I knew if I wanted to any more children, um, that something was going to have to to happen.
6: There's an operation that you you had to right. alleviate this. What what right. operation is it, and and how did that how how did that affect the aortic problem that you were having?
5: Um, I had an aortic root replacement in May of 2017. I wouldn't say I selectively chose to do it, but I did it. Because I knew I wanted a family. And in order for that to happen, that was in my best interest. And so um, ever since, I've been great. So.
6: so is that something that you noticed a difference after that operation right away? Or is it more of like a medical thing where they scanned and tested and could see a difference thereafter? Um,
5: it was more of a medical thing, but I think also emotional for me. Um, I'm just so much more at ease now about things, you know, whereas before uh, working out or any kind of strenuous activity is just always in the back of my head that I don't need to do this because, this you know, putting too much pressure on my heart and to, you know. And so now I would say m- mentally and emotionally for me, it's definitely... Made life better.
6: So you had the operation. This is uh, this is a couple of years ago now, mm-hmm. and uh, you've recovered from the operation, mm-hmm. and uh, everything is a success so far.
5: Everything has been wonderful,
6: and you know this because
5: I am pregnant. Yes, with my second child due in March, I'm a little girl. So, and it's it's been great, and just a lot less stressful this time around.
6: This month uh, February is national it's American Heart Month and and uh, February 1st today is is of course National Wear Red Day and right. as part of the Go Red for Women raising right. awareness for heart disease among women. Mm-hmm. Your situation is unique because when we hear about heart disease and, and and different kinds of cardiovascular disease we we hear we think of oh I better watch out I might have a heart attack right. but really cardiovascular disease is so much more than that. Right. How, how does how how is your perspective of it different? How is your perspective different than somebody who might, oh, I better not eat too much bacon because right. I might have a heart attack?
5: Right. Um, well, just being a genetic condition, you know, growing up around it, seeing it, you know, through my father, my brother and me, it's just, it's always been one of those things that we've always been monitored, you know, and it that's always been in the back of my head. You know, I've always had to worry about it, you know, now that I've had surgery and it's just, one less thing I have to worry about now.
6: So if if people are are listening to this and they 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 feel a little thing that's a little weird or they've been checking out some of their symptoms on you know all the websites and right. and whatever, but they have they're afraid fi- afraid of what they might find out by visiting their physician. What's your message to them?
5: I would say if you feel anything, you know different or funny just please you know go get checked because had we you know i always say it's a hidden blessing but you know if my dad you know had not had what happened to him or we, we may never know you know and something could have happened if anything is feels funny or doesn't sound right definitely please just go get get checked
6: well ashton davison is a mother and soon to be again. That's right. Congratulations. Thank you. And a teacher and a uh, a person who lives with Marfan syndrome and uh, has been good enough to share her story of, uh, of survival with us today. Thank you very much, Ashton.
5: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Coming up, get some healthy snacking tips just in time for this weekend's Super Bowl. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
6: I'm Peter O'Dowd. New Mexico may soon become the eighth state that allows doctors to help terminally ill patients die on their own terms. Local bishops are calling the
3: law immoral. In New Mexico, at least, it's not for the state to choose between the Catholic view and other religious views. That's for individuals to do. That's next time on Here and Now.
1: Tomorrow at noon on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Super Bowl 53 is this Sunday, and that means football-themed parties for many Mississippians. Dr. Josie Bidwell is with the University of Mississippi Medical Center and part of MPB's Southern Remedy team. She stopped by our studio to share some healthier Super Bowl party options with our Ezra Wall. First, it's what to do at a party where you have no influence over the food that's offered.
4: The first thing is to not go to the party ravenous. So have something before you go because you tend to overeat when you're over hungry. And then when you actually get there, you know, there's usually like the big paper plate and then there's usually the smaller plate that's for the dessert maybe. Go ahead and pick that smaller plate as the plate to use for your your snack items because you're going to make better portion choices when you've got that smaller plate.
6: Uh, not that I've ever been guilty of this, but you might think <laughs> you're going to go to the party and go, I'll only have one small plate of food the entire four hours or right. whatever that I'm at this uh, gathering. That's kind of a, an exercise in futility, isn't it, basically, for most people?
4: It, it is. Where I see folks over-consume and not realize it is when they don't actually fix a plate, when they just kind of go into the kitchen or wherever the food is laid out and just kind of stand there and nibble. And all those nibbles and bites and licks and little tastes, they all add up.
6: So that's an environment, and obviously, maybe prioritize. Any kind of vegetable tray that might be there, or at least filling part of your plate part with that. Part of your plate with those thing.
4: veggies. Um, or, you know, fruit, if there's a fruit option there. Um, and things that maybe don't have quite as many layers of things on it. So things that have cream and bacon and cheese in it are just going to be a big fat bomb. So, you know, if you could pick just the chicken wing that just has, you know, chicken on it instead of maybe a, a loaded dip that's got multiple different types of fat going on inside of it.
6: So that's an environment where you you haven't had any influence over what food is prepared and offered for the crowd. Let's say it's a it's a it's a thing where, you know, everybody's going to bring a little something to pass or maybe you're providing most of the most of the uh, food and various uh, things that go with it. Uh, What are some healthier options that we can choose that are still kind of based in those traditional football party or tailgate party food?
4: Super Bowl parties or any of these kind of tailgating parties usually are very dip centric. So there's usually multiple different kinds of dip, whether that be, you know, a queso and, you know, a ranch-based dip and different things like that. I mean, there's always ways that you can lighten those up. You know, if you're going with a ranch-based dip, you know, swapping out some of the mayo and the cream cheese for more of a, you know, a Greek yogurt type of situation can lower the fat content of those. But if you want to leave that dip, you know, The way it was originally created and full of fat, just think about what you're dipping in it. So absolutely add a couple of chips to your plate, but then think about what else you could dip into that that's not going to be so fat-heavy. So some of those fresh veggies um, that you could do, you know, carrots, celery, broccoli, that you can still enjoy that dip with but are not going to be so heavy in fat.
6: Another concept here going – much farther down the health, healthy eating extreme is something that you've been talking a lot about on Monday mornings on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea that uh, a more plant-based food lifestyle right. can help l- help you maintain your weight and help you with your cholesterol and is, is supportive of all these healthy, healthy outcomes that we're looking for. Right. Let's say somebody does want to try to take uh, take some of their uh, Super Bowl uh, favorites, still have fun watching the game, still feel like they get to snack the whole mm-hmm. time through, but they want that food that's there to be healthy. What are some plant-based options that we might not think of? Beans are
4: almost the perfect plant food because they're very um, nutrient-dense. They've got a lot of good stuff going on and then not a lot of bad stuff going on. So they're a great source of protein. They're a great source of fiber and vitamins and minerals. So a black bean dip could be a great way to get that done. Um, Or my favorite is actually a three bean dip that has kidney beans, any kind of white bean, a cannellini or a chickpea, something like that, and then a black bean. And then any kind of fresh veggies you want to throw in there. I usually do some peppers, some cucumbers, some tomatoes, and then a nice vinaigrette um, on top of that. And then you can serve that up with some baked tortilla chips and some other veggies as well. And most folks don't realize that it's a plant-based dip. And then my favorite um, fruit-based dessert or plant-based dessert to do um, at gatherings are apple nachos. So you just slice of the apple, uh, put it out on your um, platter, a little squeeze of lemon juice to keep the apple from going brown. And then I take some peanut butter or almond butter, or if you've got a nut allergy, um, like a sunflower um, butter, a sun butter, and kind of warm it up in the microwave a little bit so it's drizzly. Drizzle that over the top and then put some dark chocolate chips on top of that and some crushed walnuts Mm, mm, mm. those are some good Apple nachos.
6: And you apple nachos apple is what's nachos. that called. That's what never, I call, I've yeah. never heard that idea. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> you are a ginormous Saints fan.
4: I am a ginormous Saints fan. Are you even
6: watching the game this I am weekend? I'm not. No? I'm not okay. watching
4: the game this weekend. We are having a Saints party because my children, uh too, are huge Saints fans. And we'll actually be watching the Super Bowl from when the Saints were there and won. So <laughs> <laughs> So we're we're still a little uh we're still a little hurt.
6: No matter what anybody is doing uh, on Sunday afternoon, I hope uh, everyone enjoys it and makes some good healthy food choices. Dr. Josie Bidwell is uh, the host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit here on MPB on Mondays at 11 and is the Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Dr. Josie, thank you.
4: Always a pleasure.
0: Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10 o'clock, it's Next Stop, Mississippi. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores or by subscribing to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
4: Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation's Get to College program.
0: Based in South Haven, Jackson, and Ocean Springs, Get to College advisors help students and families plan and pay for college. Learn more at woodwardhines.org.